the ordinary. Okay? So I'm going to ask you the question, what motivated the disciples to preach after Christ ascended to heaven? Holy Spirit. Um, let's turn to Matthew 9, and we're going to be reading some passages um, here and there, so you can have your Bibles handy. Uh, but Matthew 9, uh, verse 36. Um, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus was moved when he saw a need. Um, Matthew 24, 14 is one of the unique verses, and, and especially when it comes to the end times. And this gospel of the, heaven, of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then what? Then shall the end come. What's going to happen before the end? This gospel is going to be preached. Who's going to do the preaching? We are. Where? In burden hand? In all the world. Um, and that's kind of what, what goes through your mind when you, when you hear that verse? I mean, this is words of Jesus. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. Now, I really appreciated this week in... Um, in the emphasis on missions and that kind of thing. And sometimes I, I get a little bit, um, I get a little bit concerned when our hype about missions is about going somewhere. This week we heard a lot about what am I doing here? What's bringing the end? Or what's a prerequisite to the end? The gospel being preached. God's word being preached. And, and I think our big key in missions is we need to make sure that we know and give the word. God's word. So um, I'm going to go back to the question, what motivated the disciples to preach after Christ ascended to heaven? They had a message. They had something to share. Um, we're called to be God's hands, feet, and mouth. Um, Nate, in the first, um, first or second night, second night I think it was, um, talked about his gift. Okay? God had... Um, so what do we have to share? What do you have to share? The disciples could preach. The disciples could, had something to share because of what Christ did for them. 
what do I have to share? What do you have to share? Same as uh, John says, same as apostles have. True love. True love. Uh, John, do you act like the apostles did? What did the what did the apostles have that you don't have? And that, and, and that's not maybe not the right question to ask. And and let's turn to um, I'm gonna quickly turn to Acts when when um, when Jesus um, when Jesus ascended in heaven. The angels came down and gave them and said, you know, the way you've seen him going, he's gonna come back. What was driving the disciples to preach? The fact that Jesus was coming again. He was coming back. And, um, and I think that's where we get into our end times. Okay? Um, but what do you have to offer the world? Um, before we go into the end, uh, to the talking about end times, what do you have to offer the world? If you don't have anything to offer the world, what are you doing with the gift that Nate talked about? Now, God has given us all different gifts, but God wants us to cultivate those gifts. God wants us to use those gifts to go into the world. <clears throat> now, um, last night downstairs... Um, and let's turn, let's turn to Matthew 25. Last night downstairs, um, Paul Fisher brought out a really interesting um, thought that I never really thought about in missions, and his topic was missions in Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ. In Matthew 25, starting in verse 34... Then shall the king say unto them and the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was stranger, and you took me in. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw thee hungry, and fed thee and thirsty and gave thee drink. When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. For somebody was downstairs, what did Paul say that this verse these verses describe? Someone. Paul, what do they describe? Describe. The world's best missionaries. 
the world's best missionaries, is what Paul reminded us last night. Um, that's what Jesus said. It was people doing ordinary things and not even really realizing that they were doing it to, as to Christ, but they were doing it because of what Christ had done for them. Okay? Um, so, what's the definition of end times? And when is it? Somebody, what's the definition of end times? It's going to be revealed. It's going to be revealed? Okay. John says right now. Somebody else. Sam says the end of time. Let's turn to Matthew 24 um, and verse 3. Because the disciples very clearly asked Jesus the same question. Matthew 24, verse 3. And as he he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? What was Jesus' response? He went on to say, Take heed that no man deceive you. Now, um, we're going to come back to this passage, but um, somebody mentioned the end of the world. Somebody mentioned um, now. Um, There's a lot of controversy as to how you quantify end times. Um, But all all of the world history and future hinge on what three events? Somebody, three events. What's the first event that the world history and future hinge on? First one's creation. What's the second one? Jesus' birth. birth. And what's the last one? His second coming. Everything that happens in the world hinges on those three three events. Probably one of the sermons that I remember um, as growing up was Simon Trock's um, sermon at Peckway Church one evening about the event. And he talked about the two, two events. Up until Christ's first coming, everything that happened in the world pointed to and led up to his first coming. Everything did. There was nations built. There was kingdoms built. God moved around nations. God moved around people for one event. And that was, his, uh, that was his first coming as a baby. After his first coming, everything that's happening in the world today points to his second coming, the end time. Now, if you think um, you're going to hear me talk about how the end times are all going to happen and how they're all going to line up and whether or not um, the rapture happens before the tribulation and all that kind of stuff, I'm going to to tell you right now, I'm going to disappoint you, okay? 
we are looking forward to meeting Christ in the air. We are looking forward to his second coming, okay? And everything that happens, everything that goes on in the world today is all pointing to that. And, and therefore, when I look at the news, um, I'm always drawn to what's happening in the Middle East. Why? Because my Bible says that God is raising up nations and moving around kingdoms and getting things ready for what? His second coming. But what did he ask us to do to get ready for his second coming? Preach? Preach? Where? Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. If you want to be part of getting ready for Christ's second coming, all you have to do is share the word. And you're part of prophecy. Now, um, I should have maybe pointed out um, for some of you that are closer, some of you maybe can't see, the background picture here that I chose uh, was very carefully chosen, and no, it's not on the beach. That picture I took in the desert in Arizona. Okay? And I'm going to tell you a little story here about um, an experience that I had in October when I was in Arizona. And what is our goal of the end times? Now, um, as my wife and I were planning a week excursion in Arizona in October, um, my daughter said, if you're out there, you want to go see Horseshoe Bend. Now, I don't know, who, who's ever been to Horseshoe Bend? Very few people have been, okay? And so after a day of um, being in and out of the car and walking around the north rim of the Grand Canyon, um, it was my goal to go see the Horseshoe Bend. And, um, and that was the goal, because that's what I was told it looked like. But that's all I had, okay? I could see that. But when I got to the place to go see Horseshoe Bend, I was tired. Um, in fact, I was, uh, we were so tired that um, Deanne decided she's not going to walk the three-quarter mile back to see Horseshoe Bend. And I was greeted by the desert. And signs everywhere said, make sure you take plenty of water. It's warm and dry. Okay? Now, as I was walking back, the clouds that you see there was not rain clouds, but it was smoke. The uh, north rim of the Grand Canyon was, had a fairly major um, forest fire burning that day. When we were in the north rim, we didn't actually see it, but we saw it driving out. And um, Horseshoe Bend was, I would say, a good 90 miles at least. Um, north of 
or east of the Grand Canyon. And so um, this smoke cloud filled the sky, the, uh, the horizon. And in reality, um, when I walked in, it didn't really look that nice. Um, I actually grabbed this picture on the way out. But to get to where I wanted to go, I had to walk through the desert. Okay? But that's what I wanted to see. And I apologize for the uh, bad picture on, but the view of Horseshoe Bend was spectacular. But you could not see it until you were right there. If, if you stood from here to the cemetery away from the edge, you couldn't see it. And you know, that's a little bit like heaven is. God gives us a glimpse of where he wants us to go. And as we're going through life, we get distracted. Okay? Now, um, we get distracted on the way. How do we handle the clouds? Do we, do we, do we just look at them as a, um, as a distraction? Or they just, do they make things ugly? Um, I'll tell you that I waited an hour to get that picture. Because I wanted to see the sun set through the clouds. I threw that smoke cloud, okay? Sometimes, if you want to see what God wants us to bring, you have to have a goal in mind, and you have to wait. And it's easy to get distracted. Because while I'm waiting for that, there's a man from this church who was calling me and saying, hey, can you print out an insurance card? Okay? And I said, no, you got to wait. I want to get this picture. Okay? Why? Because I had a goal in mind. What goal do you have in mind for your end times? What, what are you looking for? Okay? So, now, we better move fast. We've got five minutes. Let's go back to, um, to Matthew 24. What did Jesus warn them about in Matthew 24? First thing he said, Take heed that no man deceives you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, and see, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Skipping down, um, they're going to deliver you up to be afflicted. Um, in verse 9, they're going to hate you um, of all nations for my name's sake. Verse 10, um, for, and many shall, um, and then shall many be offended. That means those around you are going to be offended because of what's going on. Um, verse 11, false prophets shall arise and it shall deceive many. Uh, verse 12, the love of many shall wax cold. What are you going to do when times get tough?
Now, I, I understand that that direct prophecy was pointing to the destruction of Jerusalem, but I think it's also pointing to end times. We're looking forward to the end, right? We want the end, but we don't want the desert. We don't want to walk through the desert. We don't want all the people. Uh, one of the pictures I didn't show you was there was a couple thousand people back here. You couldn't hardly get up to the edge because of the amount of people, okay? There's people everywhere. Why? Because they wanted to see, okay? What are we doing in life with all the distractions? What are we doing in life with, um, with those that are going to deceive us? What are we going to do? Let me tell you, verse 14 comes right after that string of verses, and that's the verse that I've been, that I quoted a couple times tonight. It says, And the gospel of kingdom shall be preached in all the world, for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. In the middle of all those warnings, Jesus is asking us to preach the gospel. Now, the good part about it is that's just for preachers, right? No, we know better than that. Okay? Now, in the middle of that, I want to quickly read a story. And I've heard this story, and I'm sure there's plenty of versions of this, different versions of this story. But this story kind of sums up. If you're looking at the deception, if you're looking at what can happen, this story kind of sums up of where we can be. A priest was on a long flight after a church conference and the first warning approach, approaching problems came from the fasten your seatbelt sign flashed on. After a while, a calm voice said, we shall not be serving beverages at this time as we are expecting a little turbulence. Please make sure your seatbelt is fastened. The priest looked around the aircraft and saw many of the passengers becoming apprehensive. Later, the voice of the intercom said, we are so sorry, we are unable to serve meals at this time. The turbulence is still ahead of us. And then the storm broke. Ominous cracks of thunder could be heard even above the roar of the engines. Lightning lit up the darkened skies. Within moments, the great plane was tossed around like a cork in the celestial ocean. One moment it was lifted in the terrifying currents of the air, next it fell as if it was about to crash. As the priest looked around, he could see that nearly all the passengers were alarmed, except one little girl. She sat calmly, feet tucked under her, looking at a picture in a book, oblivious at the turbulence around her. Sometimes she would close her eyes, then she would go back to her book. The storm blew over. When the plane landed, the passengers were disembarking. The priest approached the little girl and asked her why she was not afraid like the other passengers. The little girl replied, because my daddy's the pilot. He's taking me home. Who's your pilot? Where are you going? The end time's coming. We know that. These are the warnings that Christ gave us. We know that. Who's your pilot? What's your message? 
if your pilot is God, if your pilot is Christ, you don't have to be worried about the storm. Um, going to First uh, Thessalonians, um, in closing here, um, the Thessalonian church found themselves in a very unique situation where some of them got so excited about the end times that they, um, they decided that, you know what, if Christ is coming back, it's a waste of our time planning for the future. We don't need to work hard. We don't need to do anything on and on and on. Why? Because Christ is coming back. The end times is imminent, right? And um, so Paul warned them, and then they got caught up um, and started debating about those that died and went before them and how they're going to be. And they got a little twisted and, and debating on what's going on. But what was Paul's response to them? What did Paul want them to do? If we look in um, 1 Thessalonians 5, and uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read um, a lot of verses here, but he starts out chapter 5, he says, But the end times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write of. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. If we go back, if we go on down in the chapter, um, Paul exhorts them to, in verse 15 it says, uh, See that, ye, that none render evil for evil, but unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from the appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, for your whole spirit, soul, and body be reserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. What did he tell the Thessalonians to do right before he told them that they could be presented blameless before our Lord Jesus? What's the list from 16 to 20, um, 22? Are they common things? Are they ordinary things? Maybe not necessarily ordinary today, but they're things that you don't have to go halfway around the world to do. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast. There are things that anyone can do, regardless of how old you are, how young you are. Why? And I pray, God, for your whole spirit, soul, and body be presented blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. Now, I told you I'm not going to go into the timing of end times. Um, I'm going to challenge you, though, 
to do one thing. If you want to change your outlook on end times and you're somewhat discouraged sometimes about all the bickering of what goes on about when this is going to happen and how this is going to happen or whatever, do one thing for yourself. Sit down and read the book of Revelation. You can do it in, in a couple hours, but read it, not thinking about timing, but thinking about what Christ has done for us. And it's amazing what you can find and how, and how you can be encouraged about end times. Um, I want to read Philippians 4, um, 4 to 6 in closing. Shall we stand? And um, I'm going to use this as our prayer um, for us in closing. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which we have both learned and received and heard, and I'm going to add this week, and seen of me and do, and the God of peace shall be with you all. Amen. Go in peace.